This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, welcome to this week's No Name Ever podcast. I'm Jamie Smith and my guests this week are James, Natalie and Kevin to go over the 1-1 draw against Brighton on Sunday. Um, James, we'll start with you. You were at Turf Moor, weren't you? It was um, a strange match with two goals in the first three minutes and then both teams seemed quite happy with the draw after that. Yeah, with the start you were expecting you know, you could maybe be looking at a five or six goal game and a you know, really entertaining affair for Sky but um, I think it set us up for a little bit of dis- disappointment with uh, the two early goals because there wasn't really another chance in the game, to be honest. It was a funny one. I was expecting it to be quite a tight game, Natalie, but the start, we seemed in absolute shambles and then, fortunately, we got a penalty straight back. Yeah, absolutely. It was. Uh, we just hadn't really got our heads on the game, had we, before we were already 1-0 down. Um, and, we, yeah, I think... Well, the penalty, I'm sure, we'll come on to talk about in a moment, but we, uh, we were very lucky that we managed to pull it back so quickly. But in another sense, it's it's typical of Burnley, isn't it? Especially under Sean Dyche to, to respond so quickly. Um, Kevin, if we can come on to you, there's a lot of talk on, on social media about Burnley's performance, saying that we were quite disappointing. I thought we played OK. How did, how did you feel we played on Sunday? Um, yeah, I think, I think that's a little bit harsh. I thought Brighton... I'm not seeing the stats, Brighton perhaps had more of a possession, but I think we were the only ones who actually looked like adding to the to the scoreline. Someone, someone was quoting the possession stats at me. It was like, oh, find me a game when we've had most of the ball, because we never do. It's not yeah. our game. When, I mean, you look at our chances, we could, we, we you know, could have scored two or three more, uh, whereas I don't think Tom Heaton was ever close to being tested by, by Brighton after the goal. Um, I think if anyone was going to win the game, it would have been us. I think there were, there were a couple of moments in the first half. I think Zamora got headers on target that I thought he could have done better with. But I think the best chance in the game is it, is it fair to say Scott Arfield's two efforts at the end, James? Yeah, and I think uh, Scott would be really disappointed that he didn't do better. Um, you know, particularly the one Gray dragged back. He, he probably had time to take a touch and and um, look to pick his spot. Really, I, I thought it was kind of strange that he actually, he went for the back post because. Um, I know the keeper obviously is coming across his goal towards the near post, but there's a player on the back post. You'd think that the obvious choice would have been to just uh, hit it sort of straight ahead. 
I think he had a little bit more time in his foot, Max. Like you say, he definitely had time to take a touch, but he seemed just to just to go for the first time shot. And I think he, looking back, he'd have probably thought he had more time. If we come on to the penalty, then um, it's quite unusual to see penalties given for shirt pulling, but I suppose it was quite an extreme example of shirt pulling in the box. Keane's shirt was practically over his head when the referee whistled. Uh, Natalie, what was your view of the incident? When I was at the game in, in real time, I was I kind of had a bit of a chuckle to myself. I didn't think it was a penalty at all, and I thought we'd, we'd got very, very lucky. Um, as soon as I came home and saw it, I would, I'd change my mind straight away, and I thought it was a clear clear penalty. And you're quite right. You don't see them given that often. And I do wonder whether if Kino hadn't been practically naked from the waist upwards, whether the referee would have given it. But I think it would have been hard I don't think the referee had much choice given just how extreme it was. It was a strange one, wasn't it? They seemed to be fouling each other at one point. They seemed to be pulling each other. Yeah, yeah. it was the shirt that did it. Um, I think, like Natalie said, it, it, the shirt exaggerated the foul. And, and yeah, they were, you, you could argue have been, the, the decision had been given the other way. Um, Brighton certainly had a, had, a, had a call for it. Um, yeah. If it was given against us, I think it'd be very, uh, we'd be very disappointed with it. Um, as it was us, we were very lucky, I think. I think if the shirt had stayed on his back, it wouldn't have been given. What's your take on, on the penalty then, James? I, th- I think it's clear-cut. Um, you know, I think those type of penalties aren't given enough at the moment in the game. and It's almost become accepted that you can have a handful of shirt. And, um, you know, I think it is a little bit... Keane's got a little bit of him as well. I think he's got his um, older... Uh, Dunk's forearm, but you don't know whether that's a response to Dunk having you know half his shirt. And at the end of the day, the reason it is given is that he's nearly lost his shirt. So, um, you know, maybe if it was against us, we'd be uh, we'd feel aggrieved that we, it was the rare occasion that something like that got given. But you know, as it's for us, I'm uh, I'm happy to take it. While we're on the the referee, there's some comments about Brighton's um, physical style of play shall we say and a few complaints that they maybe should have had a, some more bookings it seemed quite a deliberate ploy to to stop our attacks early but don't we do that to other teams as well so can we really complain about that uh, we do a little but I I thought you know in particular Dunk was very lucky to, to to start with obviously not to be booked for the um, for the penalty Um and then later in the game, in the second half, there was one where I think he probably would have been booked, but um, Andre Gray took the free kick really quick. And in the, in the end, not only did we give the ball away from the quick free kick, we'd probably you know, miss the opportunity to get dunk in the book and then maybe he gets sent off later in the game. So um, I thought the referee was pretty lenient with the cards. He, he seemed very reluctant to book anyone. and um, It was an interesting one. I, I don't think Brighton were overly physical. You know, I think... They, they weren't um, malicious, but there was definitely plenty of opportunities for more cards to be handed out. OK, there's a few individual performances I'd like to, to talk about on the podcast this week, but we'll start with the this player who was new to the side with Sam Bolts, um, injured with the the injury he picked up before the international break in the Wolves game. Ruin Hennings came into the side. Natalie, how do, you, how do you think he got on? He was substituted after about an hour, quite early in the second half. Um, 
I wasn't impressed, to be honest. I knew you were going to come to me first with this one. I always seem to get the ones where I have to be negative and I feel like I'm being negative all the time. But I it No, no, negative. No, no, negative indeed. Um, yes, I get it. He's in a different country. He's had to step up a league. He's in a side that he's not played with. He's not had many starts. I get all of that. I also think it's very difficult to assess him against a very good Andre Gray and a very good Sam Vox. He just looked exactly what he is in a very mediocre backup striker. He's not, for me, ever going to be pushing for a starting place. He's not going to displace any of our two strikers. Um, I expect when Barnes is fit, he'll be pushed further down the pecking order. Um, I'm a much bigger fan of, of, of Long than I am of, uh, than I am of him. Um, maybe it's, yeah, I, I take criticism my way of people thinking that you need to give him a chance, but... I, I struggle to see what, if anything, he brought to the game on Saturday, to be honest. It's it's tricky to analyse, isn't it? Because he's, he's come into the side and he's been restricted mainly to 20 minutes, 15 minutes, mm. 10 minutes off the bench. And he's come from, from a different league. He's got to adapt. But on the flip side, we've paid quite a bit of money for him, about 2 million quid, apparently. You'd expect him to have an immediate impact for that money. He scored a lot of goals last season and yeah. he's not really all that scoring a goal. Um, Kevin... Were you a bit surprised that Hennings maybe got the nod over long or was it a case of needing someone more similar to, to Volks to partner Gray? I was, yeah, because he's, 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 he seems as though he's been our fourth choice striker so far. I think Long um, has certainly been getting onto the game, onto the field in more games than, than Hennings has. Um, uh, and yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't want to say, the, I don't want to say anonymous because um, I got into a bit of trouble last time I called a Burnley striker anonymous. Um but I don't think he did anything particularly wrong. But he 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 just he didn't do anything at all really. Um, a couple of a couple of touches here and there, a couple of neat, neat touches here and there actually as well. Um, but nothing at all to suggest he was anywhere close to uh, to to making an impact in the side and having Sam Vokes worrying about his place. He could have got a goal in the first half actually. I think their, their keeper had quite a, a, a good save from a, a shot that he. Um, he got the end of, um, but that that was pretty much it. Um, and I think Long looked a lot brighter when he came onto a field at the end. The problem I've got with with Hennings is that when he signed, we seemed to we heard a lot about how he's quick and powerful, um, similar sort of attributes to to what we talk about Andre Gray all the time, and we've not seen that from him at all. I'm, I'm not sure, and yes, it's still early days in his Burnley career, but I'm not sure, James, what sort of striker he's supposed to be. Um, yeah, no, that's. I think that's probably fair. We've, I don't really think we've seen him. Um, I think it's. I think it's similar to the Vossen situation. I don't think we've necessarily seen him deployed in the role that he's, he's used to playing yet. And um, I think he got some unfair criticism at half time, but criticism of him, I think, after he'd been substituted, was probably a little bit more justified. I thought first half, you know, he didn't have an outstanding game, but. He came very close if it wasn't for a good save, uh, good save from Stockdale to score. And so you can't really give him too much of a negative mark on his first half performance. But in the second half, he just seemed to to lose his touch, you know, lose his uh, lose his ability to play the ball. And um, I think ultimately that's why he came off when you know normally we like to keep the other striker on and, and rest Andre Gray early. I was going to come on to Gray next, actually. I thought it was absolutely outstanding again and perhaps unlucky only to score one goal. I certainly felt that, that Gray was the best player on the pitch in terms of quality. There were others who, who played well on the day, but 
there's there's certainly signs for me now that Gray is is going to be the man if we're going to get promoted. That he's going to be at the heart of everything. Um, and the way he put the penalty away, Natalie, was just indicative of how confident he is in front of goal at the moment. He seems confident of scoring every home game at least. It, he didn't get two this time, but he managed to get on the score sheet again. Yeah, absolutely. And I think once the penalty was given, we all knew that it, you know, I don't think there was any doubt that he was, um, he wasn't going to bury it. Um, it's quite an interesting one, actually, because I, I have seen a few people who have been quite, not negative in any way, because that would just be ludicrous to say that, but to say, but I've heard a few comments that it was quite a subdued performance by Gray. And I think one of the things that you, sh- that you should look at is their defence did a really, really good job on him on Saturday. And I think if, going back to the point you made earlier, if the re- referee had made some bookings earlier on to their defenders, I think we'd have seen, I think we would have seen more goals from Gray. But if you watched him off the ball, he was he had two, three of them on him all the time. I agree with Kev. They weren't overly physical, weren't the Brighton players? But they were very. They, had, they, they asserted a very physical presence on Gray, and they were always, um, you know, body checking him. They were always, you know, standing. You know, their feet were on him, and sometimes he'd stamp on his feet a little bit, not aggressively, but just that physical presence to let him know um, that they were there. And because of that, he 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 had to really fight for every little blade of grass that he was running on for for uh, for want of a, for a better expression. Um, so I think. I think Brighton did a really good job of him, but despite all of that, he still managed to have the the best game, you know, out of all of our players. So, just little things like that, we we just don't have players that can do as well as that, and we do now. But traditionally, we never used to. I think you're right. It was it was certainly involved in a battle, and it's probably the, the toughest game he's had this season. Brighton, I think, had the meanest the meanest defense in the league. I think, and not conceded a lot of goals. So. Um, it was always going to be tricky, and I think with with us having to make the other change up front, and we've not seen an awful lot of two of the wingers. Although I want to come on to them next, it wasn't ideal circumstances for Gray. Um, we talk about George Boyd on the podcast a lot this season, Kevin. Understanding that performances haven't quite been up to scratch, but in the first half in particular, he seemed a bit more like his old self. Um, yeah, he definitely got a, a few a few good balls into the box. Um, and I think their their left back um, really really struggled with him. Um, I think Boyd was lucky on a few occasions, but um, but he was he was allowed to play um, so freely on the on the right hand side. Where where the defense just was, was giving him so much space. And there was a couple of occasions where he got balls into balls into the box completely unchallenged. Um, but. Yeah, it was definitely more more Boyd going forward. I think he faded in the second half, um, probably for a number of uh, a number of reasons. But um, it was it was encouraging. But it was still wasn't George Boyd uh, that we've come to know and expect uh, performances from um, a step up. But that is about it at the moment. James, we all know that you're a, a big fan of Kitely, but did you see anything more from Boyd on Sunday? Yeah, I, I think he's. He's improved a little, but um, there's just still something missing, isn't there? And uh, I think you saw at times. I thought Andre Gray um, got frustrated on a few occasions um, with both Boyd and Arfield, sort of not releasing him with the pass when he he felt he was in a good position. And I think that is a little bit what Boyd's doing. But you know, when he's got the ball, he's holding on to it a little bit too much, and he's um, he's just not really letting his game come naturally to him. And it's you know, it's having an effect on him. I think massively in his performances. 
you know, I, I think we see more of the running now that, you know, he was known for last season. But I think we're looking a little bit more now for sort of that creative aspect to his game that we've seen him have before uh, Posh. Another individual who I'd, I'd like to highlight is Ben Mee. He got a lot of praise on, on social media in particular after the game. It was a, a fairly typical Ben Mee wholehearted defensive performance, wasn't it, Natalie? But the cross for their goal, it did come from Mee's area. Yeah, Ben Mee was, was man of the match for me on Saturday. Um, I can see why Barton got it. As I think he he also had a, an outstanding game. I think apart from a couple of individual individuals who had disappointed performances I agree with you I think it was a really good performance overall so you know there's several players who could have pushed for that man of the match but Ben Ben was my choice he is a a funny one is Ben Mee and I think he can be a slightly frustrating player at times because when he's not on form he tends to have an absolute shocker um, but when he's good, he's, he's absolutely brilliant, and and he he was good on Saturday. Um, yes, the goal did come from his area, but you know you've also got to pay credit to the opposition as well. And you know, no matter how good a defender it are, sometimes if if, if somebody's going to put a, a sublime ball across, there's not an awful lot you can do about it. And Ben Mee was was literally all over the pitch on Saturday, and and if that meant somehow he you know he was two yards behind where he should have been to prevent the cross then you know that these things tend to happen but I think overall I think it'd be very hard to criticise him for Saturday Sunday. I don't think Ben Mee I don't think Ben Mee had um, any any criticisms to take for the goal for me I think we you look in the middle and we had three defenders on one man um, Michael Keane in particular was looking all over the place and then you've got Zamora at the back post probably their, their, their strongest player in the air um, being marked only by Duikra, who is um, our week, probably our weakest player in, in the air, certainly at the back. Uh, that's one area he's, re- he's really struggled with all season. Is um, is, is is kind of uh, on that back post, um, and yeah, he he just looked lost. He, he had he had no chance against Zamora. It was and, unlucky uh, though, wasn't it? The way it bounced through his legs off the bar. It was definitely lucky. Yeah, uh, unlucky. Um, I think if if Duikra was at a slightly different angle. Um, He'd have, he'd have, um, he'd have, he would have been able to get it, get it away. He was facing away from, so we had to turn him and block it. Um, yeah, it's not intended as a criticism of Duikwa, more, but more that our shape allowed him to be by himself on Zamora uh, when you had two defenders free him, uh, elsewhere in the box. That was fair enough. Um, Joey Barton got the the sponsors man of the match, as Natalie said, and we come to him time and time again on the podcast, but. Again, he, he just keeps that midfield ticking over, James, and he's made such a big difference that with Dean Marnie back on the bench, you, you've now got to ask questions about whether Marnie will get back in the side. Yeah, but, I mean, obviously that's a... It's a, a good very, problem to have. Yeah, very, very nice problem to have. Um, I'm not sure I would have put um, Joey in my contention really for Man of the Match on Sunday. And I think sometimes it's hard to put too much weight to the sponsors' Man of the Match because... You know, part of it is who they want to meet. Um, I think you know who they want to get the picture with. But they must have wanted to get more about um, Barton's views on ISIS. Oh yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's got some uh, some great theories on how we can uh, solve world peace. Um, I, I, I can actually, save that for after he's helped us get promotion. Yeah, <laughs> world peace yeah. can go on the back burner for now. I know he was going to philosophy classes, wasn't he? I think Roehampton University. So I wonder, I wonder what he's doing now that he's, you know, living up in north. Has in the north has he managed to find something maybe? At I don't think anyone. Clan, in, I don't think anyone up north can spell philosophy. Let alone do it. Yeah. 
don't know, maybe he's philosophising on different things these days, you know. The the demise of Cobble Street, so something along those lines. But um and I, I think he's been very steady, you know, he's I think he's a sounds almost bizarre to say, but I think he's a bit of a calming influence in the middle. Um you know, he he gets us to, to think a bit a little think about think about what we're doing with the ball. Um when it was Arfield and Jones in the middle, you sort of got the feeling that sometimes they were a little bit too rushed to to do something with it. Whereas Barton is, I think, quite happy to to take time on the ball and uh, pick his pass. But you know, I think he's he's shown all his uh, all his talent so far. You know, particularly his passing's been been very good and the way he can switch play. And I think that is what we were missing with Dean Morney out the side. Um, and I know we haven't really seen him have too many efforts on goal yet, but I think his shots a little bit more reined in than uh, Dean Morney's top tier of the Jimmy Mack specials. Martin's been in fine goal-scoring form for the under-21s, hasn't he? So maybe he's added something to his game during his absence. Maybe he's seen that as, he's, you know, how he's going to have to get back in the team with Joey Barton in the picture now. We'll play up front with Andre Gray. Bring those, uh, bring those long-range efforts down a little bit to, you know, at least around the crossbar level. The set-pieces on Sunday, what did you make of the set-pieces, Natalie? There was a lot of talk about how poor they were and... Compared to the start of the season when we seem to be scoring from a set piece every week, it seems to have been a while now. Yeah, um, I think throw-ins I thought we were a nightmare with. And I don't know what it is. I just think we seem to be really, really, really rubbish at throw-ins generally. But I thought our corners on Saturday were were quite poor. They just didn't seem to to come off for us for some reason. It... It wasn't like I came away from the game with that in the forefront of my mind, thinking, "Oh my God, we've gone to pieces with set, you know, with set pieces." What's what's that's a terrible pun, but it was, you know, it, it wasn't, you know, preying on my mind. But now you come to mention it, yeah, they, they weren't particularly very good. Um, I didn't think the free kicks that we had were particularly woeful. I thought they were just standard free kicks. There were a couple at the end that I was crying for Matty Taylor, but who unfortunately was still on the bench. But. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not unduly worried about it, to be honest. Um, I don't think we've suddenly gone incompetent at them. I just, I just think, I just think some things were just slightly off the ball on Saturday. Maybe I keep saying Saturday on Sunday, um, and I think maybe that was one of them. Fair enough, um, Kevin. Natalie mentioned Matt Taylor there. Um, we actually got an early sub um, for a change on the hour, but then it was it was quite late on. Do you think maybe we could have pushed for a, a goal by changing it a little bit? I mean. We did create two or three chances at the end anyway, but could Kitely have come on maybe or, or long a bit earlier? Or Taylor? I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan. Obviously, I, regular listeners will know I'm a big fan of Taylor. Um, and I liked, I'd, I'd, I'd like to see him start in games rather than coming on. But um, it's it's not something that jumped out to me actually on Saturday. On Sunday, sorry, I'm, I've nicked... Uh, the match was definitely on Sunday. Natalie's curse I've seen Saturday now. But yeah, it's not something that jumped out to me on Sunday thinking, you know, we need to change something here. We need we need um, we need Taylor on. Um, yeah, perhaps he could have given us something slightly different. But I don't think we were struggling to create chances. I think it was just it was just once we got there was just there was no nothing really in the in the box to uh, to convert them really. I think Andre Gray, like Natalie said earlier, was marked out of the game for much of the time, for much of the game. I mean, um, Hennings offered little um, of all long of all long with Bright. Um, he he didn't look. I don't think he came close that often. So I don't think it was the. I don't think it was the build up was problem. It's just that we we struggled to have that impact in the box. Um, yes, Taylor Taylor Kitely, somebody else might have, might have made a difference, but I don't think that's where we uh, 
where we lost the win. Uh, um, we we've talked briefly about Marnie, but do you think there'll be a place in Sarah, or will you have to wait for for a suspension or an injury? It, it would presumably mean a, a change in formation. We know how much Dice likes his four four two. Um, I, 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 I can't see a place for him at the moment. Dice isn't going to change his formation. Dice isn't going to change a winning team um, or a team at all, to be honest. Um, it's going to take either an injury, suspension, um, something along those lines, um, I think, for him to come back into the team, um, unless he's particularly burning to change to change something and get and get Marnie in there. Um, we know we, we we in the promotion season and, and last season we never looked quite the same uh, when Marnie wasn't in the side. But obviously we, we've got Barton in there, which um, kind of compensates for that a little bit. Um, but perhaps you know we haven't we still haven't been completely our best this season, although we are getting much better. Um, maybe Marnie is the the thing that really makes us tick and, and could make that difference. But um, yeah, I'd be very surprised if 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 Dice makes a change, particularly when. Jones and Barton are playing well. Um, I, I can't see him him dropping either of those at the moment. He's certainly not going to change formation. Jones and Barton certainly seems a, a complementary pairing in the middle of the park to me. Um, Natalie, what about you? Would you like to see Marnie back in sooner rather than later, or do you think it's going to be a while? Um, I do want to see Marnie back in just because he was obviously he's been an, an outstanding player for us. Um, I I agree. I don't know when we're going to see him, and I don't I don't know how he would fit into the side. Um, one of the things that was discussed quite a little bit after the game at the weekend was the possibility of dropping Jones for him um, and seeing Marnie and Joey in the in the centre midfield, which would be extremely exciting, but also incredibly harsh on Jones. I think. Jones had a quite a strange game for me on 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 Sunday. I think he was a, a little flat in places, but a lot of people have have sort of speculated that he was really really nervous on Sunday, having Marnie on the bench, and that somehow affected his mental game. I'm not sure how much I agree with that, but um, I, I, I don't know. I, it's like you said before; it's a nice problem to have, but I think at the moment Marnie's going to have to be content with a, a space on the bench, and I think he'll be there for some time. That's that's an unusual theory for me because I think Dash, when he does make subs, it tends to be a striker or a wide player. It's quite rare yeah. that he disrupts the midfield unit. So I think Jones can be assured that if he's starting the game, he's probably going to end it unless he picks up an injury or he's knackered. Um, James, I suppose talk about Jones is, is only going to intensify in the coming weeks, isn't it, with Marnie on the bench now. And there are a lot of Burnley fans who don't see what he brings to the side. Um yeah, no, there's plenty of fans. I think you hear it around Turf more when he, you know, passes sideways. Um, a few moans of discontent. Um, and there was one particular fan I, I saw in the upper tier of the James Hargreaves every time Jones got the ball, yelled, pass it forward, pass it forward. Um, so I think you could say he's got a few detractors um, out there. But I, th- I think he's... Probably the type of player you need alongside somebody who's more like a Barton or a Marnie. Um, you know, he's very steady. He, he can play a pass. He's unfortunately very one-footed, but um, it, at this level, he doesn't often get him into too much trouble. So um, I think he'd be pretty hard done by to, to get dropped on current form. But, you know, it would be interesting to see how uh, a Marnie-Barton middle two could work. I think that uh, there's a possibility that 
different partnerships could work for different games, perhaps. I think Marnie and Barton would be very energetic and they'd get in teams' faces. Whereas maybe you need Jones who can probe at home when teams maybe sit back and expect you to yeah, maybe. try and I mean, break them down. It's it's something to think about, but I, I agree with Kev. I think Dash changing it is, is unlikely at this stage unless, unless his hand is forced. I think it would be very interesting to see Barton and Marnie in the middle against um, lesser clubs. Um, you know, and really sort of go for the juggler with quite an uh, attacking mentality. Then that'd be that'd be interesting to see if we could, you know, beat some teams by maybe four or five, which is uh, something that's obviously never happened under Dash. Can you imagine the yellow cards though? <laughs> Dino and Barton. The ref would be wearing down his pencil on me on a on a weekly like, basis. So just send them both off on the second minute just to have done with it. I, I'm looking forward to seeing how Dash handles this actually because as I've as I've just said, it, it's not it's maybe it's partly because we don't tend to have a central midfielder on the bench, but it's he, he, just not something he's done to change things in that area. But you'd expect Marnie will have some time off the bench before he starts. So at some point we're going to see Marnie and Jones back together, or Marnie and Barton, and it, it, you assume it will be in the next couple of weeks. Um, next up then for Burnley is a trip to Cardiff at the weekend. A long trip to Cardiff, who going quite well in the league actually. The ninth. At the moment, there's not been many goals in their games. That's something I've noticed um, just looking at their recent results. They've lost two of the last three as well, although they have kept a few clean sheets recently as well. Um, Kevin, these long trips, I suppose, in modern times, the, the team will travel down the night before and stuff, but it's it's still difficult to, to take on these long journeys, and it's not going to be an easy game, is it? Um, no, there are no easy games. Um I don't think I don't think the distance is is, is a huge deal. Though I think, like you say, they they'll travel down the night before, and you know you could argue that there's some benefit to them spending the night, the night you know, spending the evening together uh, the night before, and and spending the whole that morning together um, rather than just turning up a couple of hours before the game. So I think it's there's of course there's some some drawbacks, but I think there's some you could you could argue there's some positives as well. Cardiff have kept five clean sheets in the last seven matches, actually, so it it could be a, a, another tight game, although it could be one all after three minutes again, James. You you never know what you're going to get from Burnley at the moment. No, you know, I think, you know, what we've said possibly all season, I think it's still plans, we've not really hit top gear, and, um, you know, it seems a little bit strange to be saying that, you know, as we're coming up to, to Christmas now, but... Um, I think Cardiff will be a tough one. To be honest, you probably go in there thinking um, a draw would be a good one, good result because they're always one of those teams that's quite tough to play. And I think you'd be thinking, let's try and keep our unbeaten run um, going and take it to the uh, Lancashire Derby, obviously, in, uh, at the beginning of December, and hopefully use that to kick on because uh, the fans will be uh, well up to see Preston again, obviously. The Lancashire Derby that, that doesn't really matter. They're on the back of their own Lancashire Derby defeat, of course. Um, Cardiff beat Reading at home recently, which is notable because Reading are one of the few teams to have beaten us. Um, so it just shows that there's, there's obviously quality in their, in their ranks now. A team with um, aspirations of getting to the Premier League. So we can't underrate them. Oh, no, absolutely not. I mean, I'm... I'm expecting a really tough game on Saturday. Um, I, I am going to the game on Saturday, so um, I shall be setting off in 
probably in the middle of the night. The game is on Saturday, by the way, not on Sunday. Yes, not on Sunday. I need to remember. If I set off like Friday lunchtime or something, I'm sure it'll be fine. Uh, But yeah, it's it's going to be a long trek for the fans. It's going to be, uh, like you say, a long trek trek for the players. And it's actually a really, really, really tough place to go to. but they're the games that you want to play. You don't, you know, you want to to test yourself against these tough sides in the championship. That's what makes this league a really good league to play in. You know, it, it doesn't have the money of the Premier League. It doesn't have the press coverage of the of the Premier League. But it's actually it's a fantastic division to play in. Um, and it's games like Saturday that make it really good fun. So yes, it's going to be tough, and I'm not a hundred percent confident that we're going to get um, a win from it. But I'm really, really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a real test. It's actually three clean sheets in a row at home for Cardiff, so we will be the first team in four matches uh, to score there if we are going to win. I think it on depends Saturday. on whether we get Sam back. If Sam's going to be back on on Saturday, I think we can stand a chance of, of, of scoring. Um, I think if he misses again and we, we we stick with that starting lineup we had on Sunday, I think I think it, I think we'll struggle to score. I assume we're all agreed that the Volts would come back straight back into the side, assuming he's fit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Excellent. Full agreement on that. <laughs> agreement through silence. Well done. <laughs> well, they don't well, really that needs answering. That's why they're quiet. <laughs> we'll round off with predictions as ever then. I've, I've been labouring the point that Cardiff don't concede a lot of goals, so I'm, I'm expecting some narrow score lines, although I'm sure James will bring us some goals as ever. Kevin, we'll start with you. What's your prediction for Burnley's trip to the Cardiff City Stadium or whatever it's called? Well, on Sunday, I thought I was going to be. I, I predicted six six before the game, and three minutes in, I thought it was going to come through. <laughs> um, obviously, it wasn't to be. Um, yeah, I think we're we're going to get a one nil win, and Vox is going to uh, come back in the team and, and finally grab a goal after after quite a while. Interesting, Natalie. You're going a long way to see the game. Hopefully, you'll get to see a good performance and a good result. Are you expecting Berlin to do well? Yeah. Uh... I agree with Kev, actually. I was also going to say 1-0 with folks scoring. I'm sure James so. is going to give us more goals than that. 1-0 is <laughs> not going to be good enough, is it? Is it, uh, is it finally going to be the grey hat-trick? It's going to be 3-1 with uh, Andre grey hat-trick. <laughs> <And> Andre grey <laughs> hat-trick. Keep predicting it. It's going to happen one of these leagues. I'll keep betting on it as well, so hopefully. <laughs> brilliant well that's about all we've got time for this week on the podcast thanks to James Natalie and Kevin for joining us please do get in touch if you've got any feedback about the podcast our email address is podcast at net, or you can tweet us as well our twitter name is at net. and thanks to our sponsors at Neville G as well um but thanks to everyone who's listened and we'll be back next week to talk about hopefully Burnley beating Cardiff and going back into the top two in the league. But that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Well, it's turned yellow. out quite yellow. It's quite a yellow um, avocado, so it's turned out to be a quite a yellow yeah. guacamole. So we'll see. No, that doesn't sound good. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app at participating restaurants. 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.